Thanks so much for joining us today. We would love to know how this ministry is impacting your life. Please take a moment and email us at mystory@cowboyjunctionchurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can visit our website at cowboyjunctionchurch.com and click Give. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy the message today. Uh, today we're going to talk about faith, and we're talking about our New Year's, and what does our New Year's look like? What does it look like for our faith to grow? Turn to your neighbor and say, I need my faith to grow. What about you? Okay, I need my faith to grow. Tatum Group did nothing. They did nothing over there. <laughs> I need my faith to grow. I need my faith to grow, Lord, for the Tatum Group tonight, okay? <laughs> so, so with that, I want you to take your Bibles, and I want you to go to John chapter 3. Now, today's message has been pre-pumped up for you. Last week, I told you that we're going to talk about the single most important ingredient for faith to grow, okay? That's a big statement. Now, today, I want you to see that, of course, you've got to start here. And the, the reason why this is so important is because everything comes off of this one pivotal foundational truth that we have, okay? And it's, it comes in the form of, of, of a story. There's an actual story that took place between a uh, Pharisee named Nicodemus and Jesus himself. And the story goes like this. In verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Okay? There are a few things in here you've got to pay attention to. He's a man of the Pharisees. Pharisees has always had a negative connotation for us because this is the group of men that really set the ball rolling to the crucifixion of Jesus. Okay? But really, a Pharisee, is a conservative, spiritual leader who were able to really keep the laws of God in front of the people. And, and this was their job. You, in a lot of ways, have probably more in common with a Pharisee than what you would think. The, the thing about it is, is that they were not able to recognize the key most important thing that God has ever done in human existence because they had their head in the law and they weren't able to see what God was doing all around them and you're going to see this in the story he's a ruler of the Jews and in verse 2 it says this this man came to Jesus and by night and said to him now you could read into that there's a whole story behind that he didn't go to him during the day he went to him at night and he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. Come from God. For no one can do these things, these signs that you do, unless God is with him. This is really fascinating if you think about it. Here's this Pharisee who refers to Jesus as Rabbi. That's a big deal. And then turns and says, uh, we recognize, we use the word we here, that there's a some awesome things taking place in you and we can see and have communicated and talked amongst our group that you couldn't do these things unless God was with you okay what would you say after this thank you man we need to hang out more 
hey, text me your phone number. There's a lot of conversations that would take place after this, but Jesus makes a hard turn. And I want you to see how hard it is because none of the things that I've just mentioned happened. Jesus says this, and it's our teaching for today. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nowhere in here was a thank you. Nowhere in here was a, it's neat that you see this. It's neat that God has shown you this. Jesus makes an abrupt, quick statement that cuts directly to the heart, and he says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. This is one of our foundational truths of Christian faith. Verse 4 continues. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And verse 5, Jesus turns and says this, No explanation, just reassured what he just said. Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We need you to open our ears and our hearts today. In order for faith to grow, the born-again experience has to take place. Today, Father, I pray with these two points I have, I pray that you would open hearts, speak, blow in this room. Holy Spirit, come move and do what you do. I am a servant, and the only reason I'm teaching on this is because you want it so. So, Lord, now do what it is that you want to do. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This born-again experience statement, to be born again, born again, it's a very churchy terminology, and it was never meant to be. Uh, the born-again experience, if you've gone to church long, you've ever heard someone say, well, that's just a, that's a born-again brother right there. That's, that's a born-again believer. And, and in a way, it's, it's this connotation that if you're on the outside looking in, it can have a very negative term because you feel like you're on the outside of a born-again club, okay? Let me tell you why I bring that up is because this has been a big issue for my family. Because of the phrase to be born again, there has been divorce in the Bean family. Yeah. There, they didn't understand it. They didn't get it. They didn't understand what the heck they were talking about. It caused division. Uh, this was the dividing line for our family for a long, long time. And I remember being a young man watching how it affected the Bean family to be born again. They couldn't, in many ways, couldn't get over what born again meant and what born again was from the Father's heart because of all the religious terminology that was, that was connected to what it meant to be born again. If you ever ask someone that was born again in our home, uh, in the Bean home, uh, they couldn't explain it good enough, and so it, sometimes it, being born again wrapped around a denomination. I don't know if that means anybody in the house, but this was a very, very painful subject for a long time. But let me give you what it means to be born again. To be born again is a spiritual birth that comes by faith in Jesus Christ. 
This is what it 100% means. And I want you to look at the definition very closely. It's a born again, a spiritual birth to be born. You didn't know how to hear until you were born and you heard for the very first time. You had never tasted before. And to be born was mean that you were tasting it for the very first time. Sometimes we look at this and look at it as a 2.0 version of ourself, an upgrade, if you will. And that is not what born again means. To be born again is a spiritual birth, meaning we didn't know how to breathe until now. We didn't know how to hear until now. We didn't know what food tasted like until now. It is that drastic of a change, a born again experience that comes by, and this is so crucial, faith. Everybody say faith. And now you can see why when I turn to you and say this is the key most important ingredient for faith to grow. Because if we don't have the born again experience, faith was never a part of it. Faith in Jesus Christ. That's the key part. Now the reason why this is so important to me is because I believe that many people struggle with their faith. They're frustrated with their faith. They're, they're disappointed in their experience with God. They're, they're, they're halfway ticked at the church. And it's all because you may have put something before an actual born-again experience. And I think there's a reason why people struggle with their faith. And I think one of the key reasons why people struggle with their faith is because they've never been born again. Now, that's a big statement. And, and, and I want to just make sure we don't lose everybody tonight. But I think one of the key reasons why people struggle with Jesus is because they just have never been born again. So what are people? In this story, it points out to one thing, and then it jumps to another. And tonight I have two points that I'm going to make and we're going to go home, and I'm going to let this marinate in your heart. But this could very well be one of the hardest, most important messages for someone in this room to hear right now. And it's meant in love, and because I want what God wants for your life, but you can't even imagine how much more God wants it, far beyond what I want for your life. And your faith could be struggling because you've experienced church but you've never experienced the born-again experience with Jesus. And, and that's how this whole story starts off. Remember, we're talking about Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, a conservative, kept-the-law leader of the church Pharisee. He went to Jesus, and because he was able to know all the laws, he knew book knowledge, but he didn't know the Spirit of God when he was standing right in front of him, the Son of God himself. And, and I believe that this story points to the key most important reason is a religious spirit. Religious is this moment to where you can be spiritual and not be born again. You can have a church experience and not know Jesus. And you can fake it. You can fake it and fake it because let's just face it, there's a lot of good things that happen in church. There's good people. You can get, one, at one time in your life, you had negative friendships. And all of a sudden, from hanging out in the right club, you can meet the cool people. 
the people that don't influence you with negative things. It can actually change your life hanging out with people who go to church. They don't do things like everybody else. And you can turn and have a false salvation just by hanging around church people. Dang, that was a big one. Do you know that all of a sudden you can be broke? You can be broke to broke broke. But then you can go to church long enough to realize that, that you can develop enough discipline that you can realize you're hearing things from a church crowd like be debt-free, be debt-free, be debt-free. And you can know what it's like to be dead broke poor, but then go to church long enough to gain some kind of wisdom on your finances. And you can turn around and go, dang, ever since I've been coming to church, my finances have even been better. You know that your marriage can get better by going to church. Your marriage can all of a sudden, when the preacher comes up and says, you are putting everybody else before your wife, and you go, dang. And you saying dang isn't as loud as your wife going, dang, that's good. And all of a sudden, it's this moment to where your marriage gets better by going to church. Yeah, Your kids get better by going to church. You raise them in church. You put them in kids' church. They learn how to cuss, not to. They learn how not to cuss. They learn how not to chew. They learn how to not to go out with girls who do. It's you know, it's 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 just. And then all of a sudden they can become teenagers and they get to hang around CG and Clay and they go to Camp Crossfire and there's Abby and Chris and and then all of a sudden they they get to go hang around Brody and Aaron and my gosh, your kids get better because you're going to church. You can get better in every area of your life. And not know Jesus. And then one day when something happens and your faith is tested. You find that you have nothing to draw from. You go to a well that is tapped and dry. You go to a room where there's supposed to be someone and there's no one there. Vacancy and bankruptcy everywhere you look. And it boggles your mind and you struggle with your faith all because it dawns on you i am a churchgoer and i'm not a christian i know i know this is hard words to hear but i had to hear them once too and religion is this moment to where all of a sudden you can realize that you're you are spiritual but you are not born again now, the other side is this, is that you can be going to church and have a spiritual leader, a pastor, who turns to you and convinces you that you need to be doing things for God. You need to be doing things for God. You should be doing this for God. And religion is a list of all the things you should be doing for God. For somebody in this room, that's the first time you've ever heard that because you thought a relationship with Jesus was all the things you were supposed to be doing for him. But religion is all the things you are supposed to be doing for him. In fact, let's go to verse 7. Here is this religious man with Jesus turning to him and saying, you must be born again. And the religious man says, or Jesus turns to the religious man and says, why do you marvel when I say to you that you must be born again? Why does that shock you? And the man is sitting there going, I don't get it. What are you saying? Do I call up my mom and say, Mom, this is going to be awkward, but we're going to have to do this all over again. I'm a grown man, but, you know, here we go. Apparently, and Jesus goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. How come it shocks you that I tell you you must be born again? And then verse 10, look at verse 10. 
Jesus answered and said to him, you're even the teacher of Israel and you don't know the things that I'm talking about? So for many people, it shocks them when they hear that the religious spirit, the religious side is, I'm going to do and do and do and do all the things that they're telling me I need to be doing for the Lord. Make sure you do this for God. Make sure you do this for God. And we have a list of rules. And all of a sudden you realize that even at your very best, you're bankrupt spiritually. Because you went off a whole new list of rules that you kept. But remember, faith isn't the things that you do. Faith is believing that Jesus does them through you. And the word that pops up in this story is the word regeneration. The whole complete regeneration of I am a sinner who can never do anything that is good before God's holiness. And so, Father, I submit myself to you and confess that I am a sinner. And when faith kicks in like that, I need to be born again. The old man is dead, and I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's the scripture I want to show you in 2 Gen- in, in Corinthians. Therefore, and listen to this closely, if anyone is in, did you see that part? Christ Jesus. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Once again, I'll tell you, this is not a new version of an old you. One of the reasons many people struggle with their faith is because they keep trying to be a new version of an old them. Uh, just, just, just go with me here. Just think about this. Doesn't it make sense that if you were to make it happen, all you've developed is a self-confidence and not a faith in Jesus? And far too many Christians have a self-confidence instead of a born-again experience. I'm going to keep going if you don't mind. Uh, verse 8, we skipped it a minute ago. So here's the conversation that takes place between Nicodemus and Jesus. And, and it says, Jesus turns to him and says, hey, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit of God. Which well, He's turning to Nicodemus, and he's saying, Nicodemus, you have been so faithful with the laws, and you, you, you carry yourself in a conservative way, and you are a leader of the church, but can you not feel the Spirit of God moving on you to see something that you should know. Then he goes, he says this in verse 9. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? And for a lot of us, when God wants to do something in you, your faith struggles. But it struggles because you're so wrapped up in a doctrine, you're so wrapped up in a denomination, you're so wrapped up in your list of everything you've done right, you're so wrapped up in who you are that you're missing that none of that is important in faith. In faith, it's not you working for the Lord. Faith is you turning to the Lord and letting him work through you. For a lot of people, that's so confusing. But there's a reason why many people struggle with their faith. 
And for a, a, a lot of us, what happened in this wind story can be defined in verse 12. Look at verse 12. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? This sums up every conversation he's had with Nicodemus up to this point. Nicodemus, you've seen the earthly things. But if I was to explain the earthly things to you, do you think you would even understand the heavenly things? Or do you think it's flipped to where I'm asking you to see the heavenly things, to change your earthly things? And, and this whole born-again experience is, is this moment to where Jesus says, you don't get it right now, and you're never going to get it later. And for a lot of people who go to church, this is the facts, is that they don't even understand it in church. And Jesus says, if you want the church way, you'll never see the heavenly way. Okay? Do I think church is bad? Come on, man, I'm the pastor. I love church. The greatest things that have ever happened to me have happened in church. I've cut my teeth on the altars. Cut my teeth on the altars. I remember when the Holy Spirit met me at the altar one day. I mean, I was born again at West Texas A&M University on the fourth floor of Jones Hall. On my bed, buried my face. But I met Jesus in a church, and I had a born-again experience at college. I wouldn't be here as the pastor if I didn't love walking in this church. But I want to be very careful to tell you. I'm not in love with this building. I'm not in love with these chairs. And I could care less about the color of the carpet. Yeah. And, and, and all the things that we want to make the main thing, I w I've been born again. And, and to me, I could never preach by turning and saying, I got this, God. Let me just show you how good I got this. I'll make you so proud if you just let me do it. I got this. I got this, God. I would fall on my face because that is self-confidence and the born again experience has been the greatest joy in my life to say whatever you want to do i will go where you want to go i'll say what you want to say how do you write a sermon how do we experience what we're experiencing in this church right now because there's moments that i stop and i say no one came to listen to me father i pray that you would open my ears to feel to sense what it is you're trying to say. And through different circumstances, the Holy Spirit gives me what I need to turn to you. And you may turn and go, man, Ty's preaching good right now, but I'll turn to you and tell you that that's never crossed my mind. Because the born-again experience is not what I'm doing for God. The born-again experience is me sitting down and going, this is him working through me. And it's an encouragement for every person in this room. Don't you dare get religious when religious, religion only confuses faith. There's so many people who if I turned to them and said, what makes you a Christian? They would say, I go to church, I'm a good person, and I'm a Christian, and a Republican. <laughs> and this is the answer that Nicodemus would have given. But let me just pop some bubbles. 
the Jewish people had struggled for years with the issue of circumcision. And Nicodemus was one of those who if you were to turn to Nicodemus and said, what makes you a God follower? And Nicodemus would say, I'm so proud of the fact that I was circumcised all the way from birth. And God would say, see, the problem is, is that you've circumcised your flesh, but you haven't circumcised your heart. Ever heard anybody say that about the Jewish people? You have a circumcised flesh, but you don't have a circumcised heart. And a circumcised heart is when we walk out of our old life into the new. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 15, it says this, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. What it's saying there, he says, whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised, who cares? It avails anything but a new creation. And it's saying, but a new creation, that's what we're looking for. You can't keep expecting God's thing if you keep living and being the old person. It takes a new birth, a complete dependence, dependency on our Lord Jesus Christ. See, at Cowboy Junction, one of the things that we talk about often in our staff, often, is living a Christ-centered life. A Christ-centered life. What a Christ-centered life is, is somebody who everything about their world revolves around Jesus. Not church. Do you ever met somebody, their entire world revolves around church? How far is that going to get you? Okay? And we talk constantly, how can we move our people to a Christ-centered life? Christ-centered life. But it's not just talking about that. There's four stages that we constantly talk about. We're fully aware that when people come to Cowboy Junction, that there's very many people who are exploring Christ. And I love that. I love people who would never, ever think about exploring Christ until somebody comes and says, hey, you want to go out to Cowboy Junction with us? We meet on Monday night. And they go, well, Cowboy Junction, what kind of place is that? That's kind of cool. We're building an arena. You know why? So you can go to your buddies and you go, hey, you want to go rope at our church? Rope at your church? Why? I never heard of anything like that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Because people are exploring this voice that keeps tapping on the door of their heart. But you can't stay there. Because from exploring in Christ, we talk about growing in Christ. Okay? So it's this moment that we just begin to kind of flex our wings a little bit about what if we gave Jesus all? What if we put our whole hope in him? But then the next one is this. We become close to Christ. Because here's what I know. The more you get to know Jesus, the closer you want to be to Jesus. You know what stops a lot of people? Is the fact that we fall in love with church and we, don't, we get beat up all the time. And we don't like Jesus. But we're not talking about church. We're talking from exploring Christ to growing in Christ to coming close to Christ. And then the next thing, the final thing, we talked about it, having a Christ-centered life. Why wouldn't I want to make him my everything? Why wouldn't I want to go to him first? Why wouldn't I want to make him the center of my world? Can you see the progression? Church screws this up. Church breaks, us, breaks hearts. Church gives you a list of rules. Let me just tell you, as a pastor, I would absolutely love to come live your life for you. But if you did something because I told you to do it, it wouldn't be faith. 
come on. If you did it because the preacher told you to do it, it wouldn't be faith. The reason why I love being a pastor is because for the first time in my life, I get to walk away from the list of rules I used to keep and speak to people something I wish I heard years ago. That as a pastor, I want you to hear that I wish I could live my, your life for you. I wish I could get into your business. I wish I could grab you by the collar and tell you how to live. But I fight that. And then I turn to you and say, the best you'll ever get from me is me delivering the food and then stepping back and allowing you and Jesus to dine together. Because it's not about me and you, it's about you and him. And that's dangerous, and here's why. Because some people in this room just want to go to church. Some people feel better about going to church. Of course, there's some cool things that happen here. But be warned. Your faith's never going to grow. Something really cool happened yesterday. Can I share a quick story? I preached exactly what I just preached on. And afterwards, I grabbed my notes, and I was heading out this way, and this man, big, burly, German-Mexican man, Mennonite from Seminole, met me right over here. And I mean, he's just as stout as a bull ox. I mean, and he is crying, just crying. And um, I think Clay's outside, but Clay, Clay, Clay and I had this real cool moment talking about this. It was so cool. And he walked over, and he hugged me, gave it my shoulders still hurt. Oh, my gosh. And this man it talks in his, you know, the German accent, the Mexican-German accent. He's saying, Ty, years ago I walked away from him. Okay, so I'm going to quit right there, okay? He said, years, he said, years ago I walked away from the church because, I struggled with my faith. And we were told rule after rule after rule after rule that we must keep. And with every rule I kept, I never got closer to God. He said, I came to this message today, and it's the first time ever in my entire life that I heard a preacher preach on what you talk about, that this isn't the church that when we have a born-again experience, we are the church, and it's good. And, and, and he said, Ty, you, you, you were brave enough to say something no one else would say. And he walked up, and he gave me this big hug, and he said, I feel free. I feel free. And his wife, I met his wife outside, and his little kids, and, and he was just crying. Some people in this room have carried so much re re religiosity. You are as churchy as it comes. Or the dangerous part is you think that's what it means to be a Christian. And you need to be stopped right now. Let this building burn to the ground. This building doesn't make it a church. And your faith, your faith is not wrapped around this property or me as a pastor. It's between you and Jesus. Now what I pray every day is that God uses me to be an instrument, just an instrument, to guide 
and to lead. And to give moments like this where we can encourage each other that you've put way too much thought into being something you never should have been. Okay, but there's a second thing. And I'm done. Something comes up in verse 19. It's another reason why I believe that many people struggle with their faith. And in verse 19, it says this, and this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world. Who do you think the light is? Okay. Jesus turns and says this, the light's come into the world, and listen to this statement, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. This is the second reason why Many people struggle with their faith. Point blank, you like darkness more than light. Really honestly, you like darkness more than coming into the light. You're never, ever going to see what God wants to show you if you keep one foot in the world and one fit foot in the kingdom and try to receive what God wants you to have. I think this has to be said because when it really sums it up, men love darkness more than the light. And for me, the closer that I got to the light, it's amazing how the darkness had to flee. Okay, let me, so, so here's the deal. Everybody who comes and hears about Jesus is going to have some area of their life that they're embarrassed about. Everybody. Everybody's got some secret sin somewhere, okay? And, 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 and the fact is, is that everybody has a sin. But at some point, rules, you've got to understand, rules don't change you. And church does not change you, okay? Holding leadership in a church does not change you let me tell you what changes you right now because i'm standing here and all these lights are on me you can see my shadow can you, can you see my shadow and the further i am away from the light the darker the shadow gets here's the born again experience for anybody in this room that you're struggling with your faith because you just can't get over whatever it is in your life the born again experience says that we shed the old life and we just keep getting closer to Jesus. And we just keep getting closer to Jesus. Not closer to church. We just keep getting closer to Jesus. And the closer that I get to the light, notice how the shadow dissipates and dissipates and dissipates. This is just a normal light. What do you think it's like when we get closer to Jesus, the light? People change not because they went to church. People change because they got closer to Jesus. Come on. And that's the born again experience. I walked away from me trying to do it. Walked away from my thoughts. Walked away from who I am. Walked away from my pride. Walked, against, walked away from all the things that I thought I could do and cover up. I finally decided I'm going to be born again Jesus, I am sorry. Take my heart. Take my life. Take my things. Get me next to you. That's the way people change. 
Let me go through some scriptures. Titus chapter 3, verse 4, it says this. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we had done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of, and see that word? Regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Regeneration, to be born again and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Man, yeah. Okay, so I got one more scripture. I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to pre-warn you. Don't put it up there yet, Amanda. You're doing a great job. Amanda has knocked it out of the ballpark tonight. The scripture I'm about to show you is going to cut you to the heart. And the first thing that's going to pop up is terror and scared for everybody in the room struggling with sin. But if you stay in the darkness, you'll never be able to grow in faith. And this is what it says. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin. Because he has been born of God. The, imper- the imperative of love that's, uh, uh, is, is this In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. So now, after all we've experienced tonight, you had to go throw this scripture up there. If you're like me, everything inside of you just jumped. But I'm going to go back to my light story. The closer you get to Jesus the more it changes you. And you may be in a situation right now to where you've got your pet, pet secrets, you've got your pet sins, you've got your pet, you've got your secrets that nobody knows about. You will never be able to hold on to what you want and receive what God wants to give you. At some point, you've got to let go. The reason why most people struggle in their faith in Jesus is because they want to keep one foot in the world and one foot for God. They want to hold on to the things that, that don't seem like much. And Jesus says, are you going to be born again? And the closer you get to Jesus, and this is a journey. This is a journey that takes time and time and time. You watch how your taste buds change, how your thoughts change, how your heart changes, how your attitude changes, how, how, you know, you'll be sitting there and you'll be thinking, I've got this figured out. And all of a sudden, you and your wife will have this blow up. And you'll go, what the heck just happened? And Jesus will turn to you and say, you need to go to church. No, that's not what he says. No, Jesus never said go to church. Jesus turns and says, come closer to me. Your stinking attitude, who would want to live with you with your attitude? And every time you act like you, it drives her further away. You come close to me and you see what changes. And a born-again experience is this moment where we walk away from the old life and we just keep getting closer to Jesus and closer to Jesus and closer to Jesus and closer to Jesus and closer to Jesus. You, you know what stinks about it is? 
if you were to turn to me and you go, Ty, how do you take your thoughts captive? Ty, how is it that you've had so much victory in your faith walk? And I can sit here and I go, I'm going to give you a great answer. You ready? I don't know. I don't know. I can't tell you one thing I've ever done that did it. All I can tell you is, is that every time I got closer to Jesus, things just changed. It's changed my marriage. It's changed my life. The closer I got to Jesus, it changed my thoughts. It changed my heart. It changed my heart about people. It changed my heart about people. How is it, Ty, that you were able to forgive so many people? And what if I came to you and said, well, the first thing that you need to do is you need to sit down and write a list. And then you need to take that list of all the things they did to you, and then you need to light it on fire. Then you need to watch as all those things you wrote got burned. Well, isn't that the, that's, that's the greatest Dr. Phil moment you ever had. Isn't that great? And it doesn't work. Because we'll just go make another list with somebody else. All I can tell you is the closest, the, the most change that's ever happened in my life is I just got closer to Jesus. There's been times I had to physically get away from our house and go spend time with Jesus. There's been other times I had to go down and check the water on, our, on the heifers and I had to get away with Jesus. There's been some times I had to go uh, in the living room in the middle of the night and I had to get close to Jesus. Don't you dare think religion is going to change your world. May someone always fill this pulpit who'll tell you that too. That's why we, may someone always fill this pulpit who'll turn to you and say, I would rather you be close to Jesus than to join a church. Okay, so, man. Holy Spirit, today I come to you. I pray for my friends. I pray for my friends. And Jesus, I pray that you would now take everything we've talked about in the last 40 minutes. What do we do with this? How does every person in this room apply it to their life? Jesus, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous on the inside to be real honest with you. Everything about a human in me is saying, I don't know if they got it. I don't know if they got it. I don't know if they got it. I don't know how we could have delivered it any better. I don't know how you could have said it any better, Lord. Good job. Thank you. And today, Heavenly Father, for everything that was said and everything that wasn't said, that needed to be said, I know you're going to say it. I pray for every person in this room that just simply needs to be born again. A walk away from the old life into the new. I pray that you would do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, everybody stand to your feet. The, would the prayer team come over here and come over here? Uh, leave the chairs. The reason why I wanted to bring the prayer team up, and I, I, I got my crew over here. Uh, Abby, will you help? There you go. So guys, there's somebody in the room that you could just simply say, I have never had 
that born-again experience. I've been trying to keep a list of rules, and I'm only frustrated and aggravated, and I don't feel closer to Jesus. Maybe you have a religious experience to where you all of a sudden realize, I, I need Jesus. I don't need church. I need Jesus. These folks would love to pray with you. And it's just a simple deal. It's a super simple deal. It's just walking over, saying, Abby, I need you to pray for me. Uh, I want to understand what it means to be born again. Will you pray that God will show me what it means to be born again? And I, I guarantee this crew here can do it. Ella Junction, next week we're going to continue to talk about faith. Now we're going to go to the next level. What does it mean to have faith? And next week's going to be so much fun. I love you. Jesus loves you. Don't you ever forget it. It's time for us to love God, love people, and have no limits in our life. Just leave the chairs. Let's just be real reverent for the next 10 minutes. And let's take conversations outside. God bless you guys. Have a great week in the Lord. See you later.